Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Bible in the News. Demographics in Palestinian areas have long been controversial and how can we know if we can trust the figures that we're given? All the numbers today come from the Palestinian Authority. The history of the Palestinian Authority comes from the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, which is a terrorist organization and has a shady past. It's known that the PA still counts people that have left or in Israeli areas as still part of their demographic. This amounts to hundreds of thousands of people, about 350,000 in East Jerusalem, 100,000 in the rest of Israel, about half a million who have been gone for over a year overseas. When we consider if their stats can be trusted, one thing that we can look at is their statistics regarding how many people have emigrated. They claim that a mere 2,400 people have left between the years 2005 to 2009, or about 480 people per year. The PA actually has no direct way to count the people, however, that have left as they are not in control of the borders. Israel, who is is in control of the, the land, sea, and air exits and entries, has recorded a net emigration of around 17,500 people a year with 2019 hitting 26,375 people leaving, not total people leaving, but net migration. So people that have left subtract people that have returned. The total between 2014 and 2019 is 105,000. The PA stat for 2005 to 2009 is definitely totally way off, as the year 2009 alone had about 15,000 people that left. There is an Israeli by the name of Yoram Ettinger who has a website called the theettingerreport.com, and he concludes that the West Bank Arab population stands at around 1.5 million when you consider the known inconsistencies in the PA's data. Yoram's estimation, though, is still based on PA numbers. So the question is, if something like half a million people have left the West Bank, have left Judea and Samaria in the last three decades, would that be visible on the ground? When we consider Bible prophecy, we know that somehow or other, these areas will end up being populated by Jewish population. We don't know at what point that happens. We don't know if the Lord has returned before that happens. We know by one means or another that that is the end goal. Ezekiel chapter 36 is a notable passage in this regard, and much of this chapter is already visible before our eyes. Ezekiel chapter 36, if we start at verse 5, reads as follows. Therefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen, and against all I do Mia, which have appointed my land into their possession, with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds, to cast it out for a prey. Prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains, and to the hills, to the rivers, and to the valleys, Thus saith Adonai Yehovah, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because ye have borne the shame of the heathen. 
Therefore, thus saith Adonai Yehovah, I have lifted up my hand. Surely the heathen that are about you, they shall bear their shame. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the cities shall be inhabited, and the wastes shall be builded. So the main point here for our consideration today is that it's the old wastes, the places that were formerly inhabited by Israel, that will again be inhabited by her. Many of these places are today areas that are Palestinian Arab towns. Places like Nablus or Shechem, ancient Shechem, it's one of the old wastes where they lived before that they need to inhabit again. The same with Hebron, they need to inhabit that again. Other areas, Bethlehem, uh, Beit El, here are some more. Isaiah 61, they shall build the old wastes, the former desolations. It's the places where they were before, where they have always lived. The ancient Jewish towns are to be possessed by the Jews again. Isaiah 58, again, shall build the old waste places. Amos chapter 9, verses 14 and 15, I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They shall make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. Now, there is today a phenomenon that is going on in the West Bank in Judea and Samaria that I had completely missed, and I'm sure many of you have as well. I found out about it in a report by a couple of young Christian Zionists who are living in Samaria who went and explored some Palestinian towns for themselves. There are today a mass of empty and under-inhabited Palestinian houses and housing units that are not inhabited. The media would have you believe that many of these Palestinian areas are overcrowded and they're bursting at the seams and you hear reports of 37 people living in one house. Is that really what we see on the ground? Is this the kind of population that exists in these places? I went on Google Street View some of these areas don't have street view, but they'll have ha- they'll have pictures that people have posted themselves for the areas that there isn't street view for, so you can still get an idea. While I was trying to verify if this was the case for myself, I went on street view, and this is the first picture that I clicked on. And lo and behold, it is a row of empty houses. Just down the row a little bit, on the right, here is one of them. Completely and utterly empty, overgrown in the front, nothing going on. We head into Janine. Janine is supposed to be very overcrowded. It's largely a refugee camp with very tight housing and um, insane population, we would be led to believe. However, when we go in, we look around, it doesn't look quite so crowded as people make out. We see here, here's one of the first places I went to. We see one store there, two that are shuttered up. We don't know what time of day this was taken. I I don't know that. Maybe um, it was at some quiet time. However, there's one store that's wide open and 
many others are not. We turn the view around the other way. And what do we see behind us? Wide open parking lots, garbage strewn around. There's buildings that don't look like they have very much going on inside them. It doesn't look like the picture of an overcrowded area. Here's a little bit more into town. We see some wide open streets. We've got on the, on the right, I don't know if you can make it out, but that building there, the top two floors, have no glass in their windows. They are unused. I actually found a statistic from 1997 that said in 97 that during the last two years, that's 96 and 97, half of the new apartments that were built in the PA areas were going unsold. This is what appears to be an older area of town near the hospital. And we see again, it's hard to tell, but there's not as much population going on as you would expect. There's again, empty windows with nothing in them. There's very few cars, no people to be seen, barely at all. We pop out of town a little bit and sites like this are not uncommon. It doesn't look like there's much going on. Here's another shot. It's all over the place. You should go look for yourself. The houses on the left, look, there's no sign of life going on there whatsoever. This is in Hevron. There's supposedly a very large population here, and um, there's housing crisis because of the restrictions on planning and building. But when you go looking and you observe closely, many of the buildings have very low signs of life. It's not completely abandoned. People do live here, but it's not as bustling and crowded as you would first imagine. We zoom into this picture a little bit. You start to see the same thing. Many buildings with wide open windows with no glass in them. And even with the ones that do have glass in them, don't necessarily have any people walking around or cars or any of those sorts of things. I went in my street view across the border into Jordan. It's a similar culture, similar people. Maybe this is a cultural thing. Maybe it's what you do when you, when you build a building, put an extra floor on, maybe you need it someday. Everywhere we look, there's cars and people in the pictures. We see bustling things. We don't see empty windows. There's far more population and life going on. We see gas stations. We see lots of cars. There's people all over the place. Very different. So I asked if I could interview Joshua Waller to discuss with me his experiences. Okay, so you are on the, the Mount of Blessings. You get to see everything real time. You know what the situation is on the ground. Um, and, and we appreciate your reports on that. Now, could you explain to our viewers, there's different classes of area in Judea and Samaria, or as a lot of the world likes to call it, the West Bank. Um, there's your areas A, B, and C. Can you just explain right. what that is and how those, how those look and work and um, just make sure everybody's up to speed on that? Sure, so, so starting with A, you have uh, area A is, is the Palestinian Authority. This is in, the areas go back to the Oslo Accords, so 94. When 1994, when the Oslo Accords were signed, they uh, divided the West Bank area, the Judea and Samaria region up into these three areas. So they divided the area A, which was going to be solely Palestinian Authority governed area. Um, and then next to that, they have area B, which was going to be uh, Arab uh, area, but that was going to be ruled uh, by uh, Israeli uh, governance, basically, where they would have uh, secure, basically only security. Uh, Arabs would be there, but they would have uh, Israeli security so that Israelis and Arabs both alike could live and function in those B areas. And then Area C was is land that's Israeli government land, basically. So they would divide it up into these three uh, sections. 
Um, and it, it really was not the most brilliant idea. Uh, as we know, the Oslo Accords happened and immediately following, there was huge riots and lots of bloodshed followed, which basically that was a dividing of God's land at that time. Since that time, we've had president after president after world leader that has pressured Israel to continue down that path of dividing the land of Israel, which we have, you know, area an area A today, for an example, that everybody could say would be Gaza. Okay, so that's, right. you, know, you know, that was a sectioned off area. Palestinian Authority was given control over that, who was quickly overrun by, I could say, a terrorist organization, Palestinian Authority's terrorist organization as well, quickly overrun by a, uh, a more aggressive terrorist organization, Hamas, uh, which now that's the problems that we have in Gaza. So that's now, yeah. one, one thing on Gaza before we move on is it wasn't always all Area A, correct? Correct. And it was a section. Yeah. That was, Israel that was completely pulled out Jewish. of that area. Yeah. 2006, Israel pulled out, and uh, that that's if Israel had not pulled out, you would not have seen the four four thousand five hundred rockets, you know, just a few weeks ago that were launched into Israel. Were because the one reason, the only reason, is because Israel decided to go with the world pressure that said uh, two state solution uh, ideology that says a uh, separate the Jews create an Arab state in the land of Israel. And that's basically what we have. We have an Arab state represented in uh, Gaza that is completely Judenrein, as they say, no Jews allowed. If a Jew goes in there, they're dead. Um, it's impossible. So because of that, there's already results. I, I, I always get mad when I see it because I'm like, guys, two-state solution ideology, all this craziness, well, we have the results in. If you create yeah, a state, it's tested, it's tried. And if you do that, you gotta, you're going to have a Gaza. You're going to have a Gaza. That's the results are in. Let's move on a little bit then. Um, so getting back to, to when you, you had the experience going into some of those um, Palestinian villages and so on, there was something that really struck me that you'd seen, and that was a whole lot of empty houses. Um, can you tell us about that? Like, it, do, you, do you think that was some isolated incidents or if you went elsewhere, like um, if you went into Ramallah or some of the other places, do you think you'd see that as well? Um, uh, and, and when you went in, just, just tell, tell us what you saw and, and how that was. Sure. So, uh, first off going into Arab villages, um, it does depend on where you're at. There are some villages that are, that are Ramallah is one of the, you know, bigger city centers. Uh, you go into Gaza, obviously Gaza city, that is, you're going to see more people. Um, but there are a lot, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of villages around that literally are just uh, mostly empty. Um, the uh, amount of Arabs that are here, and there's a lot of reasons uh, for that, that there's a huge uh, underground, and it's not really so underground. It's, it's just not being told by the, uh, the media. It's not being talked about. Uh, it's millions and billions of dollars of, of money has gone into this, this uh, deal. And really what it is, is, is it's a, a, an attempt to try to create a Palestinian state. Now, there's many ideas of how to do that, but what the leftists have understood is, is that they just need money. And what they'll do is, is they'll funnel dollar after dollar after dollar into this area, into the uh, PA area, to the Hamas areas, and they'll just build. They'll literally just build buildings. So it doesn't have to do with anything. And, that's, and this is what, they have a deeper understanding of what's going on here. They understand that if they build a house, they claim the land. And so you don't have to have any, uh, you know, anything else there. You just 
literally claim claim the land by building a house. So you don't have to have anybody living the house. The uh, the, the land is claimed. Uh, yeah. So so going into these villages is uh, is is quite an experience. Literally, I mean, you do go in, you do see things that you would be very surprised. You see uh, a lot of Arab buildings that are uh, empty. That's just a fact. Uh, you can go on and check out the. Uh, we went really. We went in and documented it. We went in with our cameras and we. We videoed uh, what we saw, and we went into village after village after village, and literally there's uh, empty house after empty house after empty house. That was a letdown. It's on a palm tree lined entrance, and it's like, boom. Store. The statistics are even better than what you can read about online. We just met a local who was born here, lived for like 20 years in Puerto Rico, businessman, came back here, he has an American passport, a Jordanian passport, and a Palestinian passport. He told us 95% of this town is American, 5% is Palestinian, and there's 11,000 residents, but only 2,000 people are here right now. 4,000 uh, person who live in Tormosaya, and there is around 8,000 persons live abroad. Uh, uh, in summertime, most of the people live abroad. They come visit their family here, and uh, some of them, they, they come, they bring their kids with them to go to school, to learn Arabic, and to learn Palestinian culture. Uh, First wealthiest uh, town inside of the West Bank area. Is that, uh, it's well, very, very well off here. People are yeah, very, well, very wealthy. Uh, uh, they are, as you said, they are, but not to the Tormusaya only. A lot of a lot of cities who uh, their inhabitants uh, go to Brazil, go to Colombia, go to United States, to Panama. You know, so the way they work over there hard, and they they make money. You and yourself are an American citizen? Yes, I am American citizen. Also, those people they they don't go only for money. Uh, a lot of them go for education. As a matter of fact, I went to USA around 75, 1975, last century, and I finished my education from IIT, Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. So the main purpose of uh, which uh, the immigrant people, they have in their mind, uh, it's good to go to get their education from USA or, or from all over. That was the town of Tumulsaya, which is very close to here, where I am now. Um, literally, there's a couple things happening. The, the culture has been westernized. So when you have a, a westernization of this, this culture and this uh, Middle Eastern culture, they want to get educated. They want to have this Western life. They all have iPhones. They all have the latest and greatest, and they're all connected to this Western world. They see the Western uh, life. They see the, you know, all the crazy, you know, you know, thriving looks like movies and what you know whatever that's attractive to these young people uh and literally they all they all hate america the most but they guess where they want to go they want to go to america uh so anywhere in america i mean canada you guys got a rough road ahead too you guys are letting them in like crazy that's true it's <laughs> now letting them in like crazy uh places all over europe are letting these guys in like crazy so uh literally um there's no there's one thing i'll say about that this is a really fascinating note um, I, I just talked about it last, uh, actually just yesterday we did a show about this on Gaza, but literally uh, there's a couple of reasons for it, uh, for, for this. They, they have an incredible population 
uh, uh, inflated their population like crazy. So what, what most people say, the leftists to say there's 3 million Arabs here. If you take into account all the, the known facts, like double counting residents overseas, they, get, they double count everybody that's left. So they count them here and they count them overseas. Uh, they, they count uh, East Jerusalem Arabs. They double count as well for no good reason. They just double count Arabs that live in East Jerusalem. Uh, they double, they, they count Israelis, uh, Arabs that were married to Israeli Arabs. They double count. They right. count them as, as, so, and then, uh, they, they've got, uh, artificial numbers just floating around. 32% was added to their, uh, birth rate. Just like, this is just factual stuff. That literally all these numbers have been just inflated into their, into their, uh, uh, their, their demographic. So when you hear 3 million Palestinians, it also helps their cause. It also helps their funding from UNRWA right. and any of these other UN bodies that want to fund. They're going to fund the 3 million supposed people. Uh, but if you take into account all the doubling and all the big number in, inflating, you actually come to about a million and a half. Uh, just with what I told you, just those few things that, that I mentioned brings the number down half of what it actually uh, is said to be, which is the same thing in Gaza. Obviously. They say 2 million people in Gaza. I wouldn't put it over a million. Uh, right. And so, so then again, housing crises, uh, houses, all this, they're not taking into account the facts. Young people are leaving in the droves. Um, and you, you see them, you see them flooding into America. You see them flooding into Europe all over. Um, and this, this is leaving a huge uh, wake. And they're going to try to blame Israel for that. They're going to say it's because of the, uh, the apartheid Israel uh, you know, whatever, they're going to come up with all this aggressive Israel that these young people are leaving. Well, when it comes down to it, that's just not true. If they could live in Israel, they probably would as well. Uh, but with, with the way it goes, they, they don't want to be here. They don't want to be in, the, in a conflict with their family, with their neighbors. If they do, I'll tell you this, if they even sell land to a Jew, they're killed. They right. can't have relationships to, with Jews. They're stuck. If Even if they have a goodwill and they want to be you know, a good neighbor, want to sell a piece of land, they, they're killed. Like they have a radical Islamic culture that doesn't allow them to be neighbors. Uh, it's, it's very, very hard to understand, maybe, but this just doesn't, doesn't work. So in order to get away from that deal, they're going to run to America. They're going to run to Canada. So that, that's, that's really, and so like you're saying, we have a huge uh, swath of empty houses and that goes uh, because of the, funding there's there's major funding by the eu the un uh you name it and it's in the billions of dollars it's not like pennies we're talking about major major funding from leftists uh pro uh palestinian state this is their goal to build a palestinian right. state in the land of israel to divide the land of israel and how they do that house by house no family has to be in that house they just build a house and literally i can walk out literally the door right here and i can see houses that are empty uh, that are being built uh, by the the Palestinian Authority, by the different uh, NGOs. Literally, there's three. They say there's about 300 leftist NGOs that are directly funding uh, these this this uh, attempt to try to take uh, the land of Israel from the Jewish people. Just before posting, it came to my attention that a European Union plan that has already been begun to be implemented has been uncovered by a group called Ad Khan in Israel whereby the European Union was attempting and still is attempting 
to make a de facto Palestinian state by injecting millions of euros into construction in Judea and Samaria and East Jerusalem to create a Palestinian state in those areas without Israel's input or agreement. That's just what it is right now, you know? That's, that's where, that's, that's the, the tax against God and against what God's word says will happen. Can we trust the stats that we have? What's the real situation on the ground? It's difficult to say for sure, but it definitely looks like there's far greater immigration. There's far less population in these areas than we would be led to believe. There's also far greater room for some of these prophecies to be fulfilled in the near future than you might at first think. If the political situation was to change, if a Jewish man could go and buy a house in any of these areas, if he could buy up a building, if, he, if a family could move in, if these things opened up, if it wasn't for his life that a Palestinian man sold his house to a Jew, maybe some of these things could happen very quickly indeed. We don't know exactly what the future holds. We know that the prophecies will come to pass. Exactly the time frame and exactly how and when, it's difficult to be 100% sure, but we know they have to come to pass. And we know that the situation on the ground is a little different than we may have been led to believe. This has been Tim Billington with you for the Bible in the News. Please join us again for more Bible in the News next week, God willing. <laughs>